employee communication is always a challenge. What are the tools and techniques you can use to level up your communication? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. You know, we've talked an awful lot on the podcast about the challenge of communicating with employees, both so that they understand the plans that we're purveying and they also understand how to use them when they need them. And that's a challenge for a lot of different reasons. It also is one of the things that we talk about in order to try to drive engagement with some of the tools that the carriers or that we make available for doing, you know, partially self-funded plans, the, the tools that we bolt on. Because user experience has now become the new differentiator, we all need to get better at that. And so we invited Joel Daniels, who's chief advocate at Revolution Benefits Group, to join us today because they're doing some really interesting things, maybe not even in and of themselves, but the way they put the whole package together is awesome. And they're having great results with that. So with that, welcome, Joel. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background, just kind of how you got to where you are. Sure, absolutely. I think I'll give you the Reader's Digest version more or less because I can be talking forever about that. But short story is my professional background was in operations and I used to be a sales quality manager for a, a company that did outsource marketing for Fortune 500 companies. And so, you know, as that side of my career kind of started winding down, my wife and I actually, you know, moved to Mexico for a couple of years and work remotely for this really great company. And, you know, I can continue to work with them. But, you know, about a year into our Mexican, you know, voyage, we found out that, you know, my wife was expecting. And so short story is when we discovered how much it was going to cost to add her to my health insurance plan, it actually was going to be more than what it was going to cost for, you know, our rent on a monthly basis. So we started looking at different, you know, things where we were able to find a membership program out in Mexico where we were able to, you know, become members of this local hospital and purchase the baby plan and all that. And we're able to, you know, have a child for probably about 10% of what we would have paid total, you know, for doing it the old fashioned American way. And so I started having a huge distaste for insurance. And, you know, so when we relocated to, to Oregon and, and fortunately we parted ways with my company too, one of the first people that recruited me was an insurance company. And I was like, no, thank you. You know, I, I can't stand insurance. And, you know, it was a little bit different because it was work site benefits on the uh, voluntary side and it actually gave people money. So I felt a little bit better about that. So that's, that's kind of how I got from hating insurance to having a mild toleration 
for insurance. And then, you know, over time, I found that even that solution wasn't really providing a solution to employers and I needed to do more. So around 2019, I started, you know, learning about the healthcare revolution and about, you know, direct primary care and other ways to provide access to healthcare because at the end of the day, that's what health insurance is supposed to do, provide access to healthcare. And so that's when we formed Revolution Benefits Group, you know, right during a pandemic, because, you know, it's a good idea to start a business during a pandemic, I guess. And that's, you know, how, how we got here. We, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's a great years ago. I used to tell people that when I was selling back in the first half of my career, that my motto came from the side of a concrete truck, which was find a hole and fill it. So it's, it's nice it. to have the opportunity to actually improve something based on your experience. For sure. So you've invested really you know, significantly in technology. And I know that's made a lot of difference for a variety of reasons. One of the things that, that I know you did, I think first was you invested in a CRM. Mm-hmm. Talk about what a CRM is, why it matters, and, and like what kind of advantages it gives you. Because I don't think, we've talked about it once or twice on the program, but I still don't think there are a lot of, especially solopreneurs and small right. firms that are using that. And that's really the folks who arguably could use it the most. Sure. You know, a lot of folks use a CRM primarily as a sales tool. And I think that there's value in that. For us, it was, we focused on the R part of the CRM, which is relationships. So we used it as a relationship tool. So, you know, one of the things that we discovered is, is how this type of technology has things called workflows and other automations that basically take a lot of the legwork away from you. And so, whereas, you know, traditional salespeople may use these tools to go out and prospect a market which is which is fine we actually use it as an engagement tool for employees of a business and essentially how that works is you know we'll have the employees names listed in there and then when we're getting close to enrollment we'll actually be able to trigger certain steps like the first step is communication has got to come from uh, the employer so we have a pre-recorded message directly from the employer that we can send out a ringless voicemail so that the employee understands what's going to be happening next. You know, somebody from, you know, we're excited about open enrollment. There's new things happening. Be on the lookout for some communications from the benefit administrative system, as well as, you know, Revolution Benefits Group, who will be reaching out to you. So they lay the ground rules. And so that way folks know that they can go on themselves to the benefits administrative tool to, you know, look at their elections and they can opt in or opt out. We're also, you know, to keeping track of who is doing that. So that once they do that, they're removed from the, the workflow. So they're not getting additional communications from us. And then we proceed to reach out. Workflows are interesting. And I, I think they're an underused part of a lot of systems. People have software and they use it basically as a list manager. Right. Talk a little bit, if you will, about creating a workflow. How do you go about it in your firm? Well, you know, when you're juggling a bunch of things, if things like new things can be really challenging. So I'm a big believer in collaboration and finding smart people to surround yourself with. So, you know, the first thing that we did in addition to investing in the program was actually find somebody to help us with creating the workflows. Because, you know, I'd like to think that I'm a fairly smart guy, but I also tend to get distracted really easily. And and as like a owner operator of, a, of our agency, it's really important for me personally 
emotionally to stay on task. So I know a lot of people in our agencies, you know, are either single person or very small teams. It may be difficult for them to invest the time. But so finding somebody to help you build that workflow in and that way and teach you how to do it so that you can do those steps is really important. So, you know, first and foremost, though, is understanding what are going to be the goals of your audience? How often do they, should you be following up with them? And that really depends on, you know, company size. I think you also have to take company culture into play as well. And, you know, while we try to standardize things as much as possible, just for efficiency's sake, you know, each company has its own look and feel. So that's something to consider. I guess what you're saying is you kind of reverse engineer it. You begin with the end in mind, as as Stephen Covey says, and you start by thinking about, okay, what's the goal? And then you kind of reverse engineer it. And the workflow takes a bunch of steps and automates them. Would that be a, a good definition of what you're using it as? Right. So you don't have to fiddle around with all those little things as you go along. You just kind of press the G-O button and stuff happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you'll you'll kind of know and in mind how many contacts are going to be, you know, necessary. What's the demographic makeup of your group? You know, and, and keeping in mind that people generationally communicate very differently. You know, text is a very effective, you know, way it means of communication for many. Email is as well. Some people prefer a phone call. Some people prefer not to get contacted at all. So it's, you know, just you, you build in these steps with multiple types of touch points. And so that way you're meeting the needs of the broad audience. And then, yeah, you just basically hit that go button. And then as far as we're concerned, we have the workflow. Like right now I have a workflow, well, it's 8.35 our time. So it won't start quite start at, until about 10, but we'll have a workflow where, you know, some certain messages are going to be sent out about 10 a.m. And then after that, we start our, our phone outreach for the folks that are straggling. Because I think one of the bigger challenges with a lot of employer groups is getting folks to, A, understand that this is a benefit. How does this benefit actually work and benefit them? But also chasing folks down that are so busy with the work job. And then now they're at home with their families and they don't want to think about work. But still, they need to get that opt-in or opt-out action happening. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. It's interesting. I mean, you do something that I think would give a lot of smaller firms kind of a cold chill up and down their spine. But when we were talking in the pre-interview, you mentioned that you make your appointment system available to employees so they can reach out to you pretty much whenever they want. How does that work? And has that been as burdensome as it sounds? Or has the burden been well worth it in terms of goodwill and information flow and all of those kinds of things? 
I think it's been worth it because it allows them to schedule time when they are available, which makes them more receptive because it's a lot harder to interrupt somebody's day. You know, if they're already thinking about something else and I can reach out to somebody and try to schedule an appointment and that's one thing. But if we send out a text message and say, hey, click here to schedule a time with an advocate. And then, you know, our system is round robin. So it'll go to the next available advocate. So it could be me, it could be somebody else on my team in order to, to make sure that, that, that somebody's available when that person needs. There's only been, I think, one instance where there wasn't somebody that would be available. And then we, you know, for the most part, since that individual already scheduled the time, they're also pretty willing to, you know, reschedule if, you know, worst case scenario that needs to happen. Have you found that having these direct contacts with employees gives you and your team more insight into the business, into the culture of that business so that you can then adjust accordingly? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the unintended positive consequences is sometimes we get feedback on the benefits, you know, because we do this not only for our benefits, but we also partner with other agencies as well. And so when we're, you know, when we're able to, you know, hear from the employee's perspective, their perspective of the the benefits, you know, we're able to relay that information to the broker who and also collaborate with the broker as well as the group in order to find better solutions. Or, or others, ones that might better meet their needs. So you've got all this technology and you've got all these great workflows. And you know, because anybody who's in the business more than four seconds understands that the rule of stuff happens. I, mm. I, we were talking a little bit about a case that you had last year where you got all your workflows set up, you got everything ready to rock and roll. And then there was this last minute eligibility issue. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how you adapted at the last minute with that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So in that situation, we discovered that because there is a, for a compliance reason, people that are Medicare eligible wouldn't qualify for the certain benefit. And so this was a benefit that was brought to the table and that we were responsible for communicating. So it wasn't discovered until, you know, basically mid enrollment that there, that that eligibility situation existed. So that took a little bit of, you know, panic, instant panic, and then, okay, step back, breathe. Okay, call the smart person to help us fix this. And so we called the smart person, Tanya, I'm sure you're going to be listening to this, called Tanya, and then she basically helped us create a duplicate workflow. And then we had a parcel of the list based on, you know, age bracket. So if folks under 65 were eligible for this, folks under 65 are eligible for these type of benefits. And then they, basically we had these two workflows working simultaneously. So the end result is pretty much the same communication happened, but we were able to create, you know, customized communication by taking out the pieces that wouldn't be relevant to the audience. Was it actually at the end of the day, a little bit easier because you already had workflow A set up and you yeah. could just riff off of workflow A to go to workflow B rather and going, oh my gosh, you know, we don't have any of this planned out. Now, how are we going to handle it? Did you find it easier? Well, at the time, once we discovered it, like, you know, on, <laughs> to be honest with you, I was like, right. well, what are we going to do? But then, you know, once I talked to the smart person and <laughs> I was able to, because I mean, for me, I'm sure you're the same way. Like I have very high expectations for myself. I have very high expectations of what this, the, the end product is and how I want my audience to feel at the end of the day. Even if this wasn't necessarily our bad, if we're the ones that are communicating the message, I, 
I take that personally. So it was like, you know, are we going to get this group in trouble? You know, what are the consequences? Is this considered discrimination? All of these things. And then by the way, Tanya is the HR consultant. So being able to partner with her, so not on top of an operations consultant, she's also an HR consultant. So we were able to basically identify, okay, this is not that big of a deal. Joel breathe. And she's got this really great way of putting me in check, you know, so she put me in check real quick and we were able to, you know, she was able to put this in place. And then after the feeling was all, hmm, that wasn't that bad at all. So hindsight, yeah, it was a lot easier in order to, to have it because the process already existed. So your secret to the universe is find a lot of smart people and put in some yes. systems that automate a lot of the work that you have to do. Right. Absolutely. Without question. How hard has it been for you to find the the right software? I know a lot of people struggle and they kind of get analysis paralysis because they start looking at this CRM or that system or the next system. Did you find these things on your own? Did you employ a consultant to go look for them for you? What was your process in getting set up, Joel? Yeah, my initial thought was working with the consultant, but one of my unspoken skills is I'm a pretty good beta tester. And so I have the I have the skill set and experience with different CRMs as it is. And then I also have the very and I think, you know, for a lot of businesses, you know, as business owners, we know what we want our business to, you know, look and feel like. If you don't have the skill set, I would suggest working with somebody that does. But for me, I took the time to actually experiment. I, you know, signed up for multiple trials. You know, some of the ones didn't give free trials, so I threw down a few dollars to to like, you know, look at a situation. And honestly, you know, we do have this insatiable curiosity. We're always trying to do things better and find better ways. And so the system that we used last year, we're probably going to be using a different system this year that's going to significantly reduce the cost because it was very, you know, pretty costly and uh, produce the same outcome. So, you know, we're going to continue to refine our systems and, and continue to find new ways. You know, if anything that we've experienced, technology changes really quickly and there's new players that enter the space all the time. So I think for me, it was worth the hours of investment that it took to, to kind of play around with it, to find something that worked for us. But that's a good thing to know. It, it's not in the, these days, it's not a once and done kind of a thing. You have to keep refining and keep innovating. And yeah. that sounds like what you guys are doing. For sure. But I do want to add too, is that, you know, yeah, you have to continue to, to refine and innovate, but at the same time, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from a foundation based on what you've already done and learned and documented before. So if you already, you know, have these then it becomes steps, so you, you get better and, you know, you can do it cheaper. Well, and that's a, that's a great way to avoid that analysis paralysis is to say, okay, mm -hmm. what we're using X, what did we learn? What do we like? What don't we like? Yes. What could we, or should we be doing better? And then you go right. hunt down those features. You don't have to understand, okay, step one, what is a CRM, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, yeah. you know, that iterative process I think is good for all entrepreneurs to use. We've got like three minutes or so left and I, I real I want to switch gears because you said something to me that was very interesting when we first talked. You said, and I actually transcribed our pre-interview so I'd, I'd make sure that I got all the words right. You said, there's not many people that look like me in the insurance industry. Tell me what you meant by that. And let, let, let's chat for a little bit about, you know, different, what your perceived barriers to some folks are and how we, how we might do better and overcome some of that. Yeah. I think the perceived barriers is just awareness. 
When I look around, you know, I, I see that this industry is is a male and, you know, predominantly, you know, white business primarily. It's changed a lot over the last several years. I think there's a lot of other women that are coming into play and, and you know, more and more people of color that are, that are joining forces. And by all means, I'm not saying that it's bad that it, there's, you know, predominantly, you know, white males in the situation. That's That's not what I mean at all. What I mean, though, is that, you know, I think that there's a tremendous opportunity to have different voices to reach different audiences. You know, for example, like I'm half Mexican as well. I wish that I spoke Spanish because I see a lot of Hispanic business owners in, in the communities around, you know, around wherever I'm at, that they don't have the same level, always the same level of representation for our specific industry. So we cannot, I, I cannot effectively, I can go in and, you know, butcher Spanish and talk you know, tequila all day with anybody. But if I'm going into a place of business, I want to make sure that I'm able to serve their audience, their employees. And if I cannot convey, you know, complex insurance speak to some, you know, individual of another language, I'd rather not do it. So I feel like there's, there's a tremendous opportunity for us to, you know, market to a younger generation of people with different backgrounds in order to reach more effectively an audience that would resonate with them. So you position it mostly as an awareness problem that some folks in some communities aren't aren't necessarily aware that, hey, this opportunity is out there and it can be a great career and you got to dip your toe in or come find out. Yeah, I think so. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched or read the book, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Meaning of life is 42. So I'm 42 years old this year. So I'm as old as the meaning of life. And, you know, so my generation, I don't recall anybody that looked like me coming and saying, hey, you know, there's a there's a worthwhile problem to solve in providing access to affordable access and better health outcomes to people of just people in general. This is a worthy business. And by the way, you can make a life of, of doing this and do quite well, you know, and, and follow this really great career path that you can make your own. There's very little barrier of entry. There's really low cost of entry. You don't need a college degree, although getting some form of education to give you a foundation is very important. No one had that conversation that I could recall. What I heard was, you're going to be dead or in jail by the age of 18. And so when you're told you're going to be dead or in jail by the age of 18, that has a certain impact on your mentality. So I've been fortunate enough to be pulled from that situation, but I know a lot of people that weren't. So if there were folks that, you know, if we could provide an opportunity like that for a younger generation of, of humans, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily need, necessarily need to be, you know, just people of color, just anybody that no, needs to know of a better way that they can have a positive impact and make a positive living while doing it. I think that's really important. Well, that's a good place to end our interview and a good charge for all of us to kind of think about as we go through the weeks and months and hopefully the, the economy starts opening back up again and we uncovid ourselves. Joel Daniels, <laughs> Chief advocate at Revolution Benefits Group. Joel, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with our audience today. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, David. Thanks for your time. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.